Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Female Footballers Podcast. My name is Cassie Gray. I am your host, and I am super stoked today for today's podcast. We have on another amazing professional NWSL player, but overall badass female. Sydney Collins is a joint Canadian and U.S. Women's National Team player, a former UC Berkeley captain and five-year starter, the eighth overall NWSL 2023 draft pick, from Portland, Oregon, please welcome North Carolina Courage's newest player, Sydney Collins. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, we're so excited to have you. So um, this is an exciting time. Your rookie season, pro soccer dream come true. Mm -hmm. um, you guys start this weekend. For those of you listening, we're recording this before the first game. So this will come out after your first weekend, I'm sure. But um so excited for you been following you forever as a Cal alum and um I just you have such a great story and I would love for girls who aspire to be like you to hear your story and learn from your experiences so so many questions for you um so first one is just you know tell us a little bit about where you're from we know you're from Portland area um a little bit about your family and you know your club and high school soccer experience yeah, so I um, I grew up actually just outside of uh, Portland, um, Beaverton, Oregon. Um, I played mostly for FC Portland uh, Youth Soccer Club. Um, I played my last year for the Thorns Academy. Um, I went to Jesuit High School. I, you know, we won a couple of state championships there. Had a great experience um, just, you know, playing with a lot of the same girls that I played my club days with um, in high school as well. So that was super fun. Um, I ran track in high school as well. Um, both That's my parents- I feel like a lot of people don't get to hear that players like you are multi-sport athletes. Was that easy to navigate or? It wasn't, you know, it was definitely a lot. I, um, I it only really worked because it was offset with our um, high school soccer season. Um, but it was really fun. And honestly, it, it helped a lot with fitness for soccer. Um, and it was, it was nice to just kind of do another sport as well. You know, I ran the 800, the 400, the four by four and the four by one. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I grew up, you know, I'm an only child. I, both my parents were professional athletes. My mom played professional beach volleyball in Toronto, Canada. And then my dad, um, he played football at the University of Washington and then for the Green Bay Packers and the Los Angeles Rams. So oh, that's very unique. Not everybody has two professional parent athletes. Was that a lot of pressure for you? You know, I never really thought of it as pressure. I, you know, I think because of both of their backgrounds in professional sports and playing sports throughout their whole childhood, I think that they were really able to give me some good advice and, you know, to just guide me and help me in any way when I had issues with sports growing up but it was really honestly just something that was fun for our family to do whether that was playing catch in the backyard or you know just playing sports together growing up was super fun so it was more of a bonding experience than anything and then it you know I guess panned out this way for me that's but, so awesome that like all of you can say that and it's all different sports too that's yeah. fantastic yeah that's so cool so you play for FC Portland, which a lot of the people on our podcast know from having Laura Shaw on here, who I know went to the same high school as you. Um, Portland is a hub for soccer. It's a hub for Nike, obviously. 
and it was Clive Charles' world. So I know you're of a younger generation where you wouldn't have known him. Mm-hmm. But was that influence around you? Had you heard about him or any of his coaching experience and all that? Definitely. Yeah, he definitely, he had a statue at our club fields growing up. And um, I actually played for, um, at the time, the current uh, UP coaches um, for club. So they, you know, definitely reiterated a legacy that Clive had left behind. And that's definitely something that is, uh, I guess, voiced within the FC Portland soccer club. So yeah. Well, and, and, but then I know with, with your age being, you're young, like the Thorns Academy pops up, is that how you ultimately got, so, you know, you figure out throughout your soccer career that you want to play in college or beyond. Did you switch clubs because of that, like to get seen easier and all that? Was that a decision you had to make? You know, honestly, so at the time when I was getting recruited, there were no recruiting rules. So I actually, my first time that I was on Cal's campus was after my freshman year of high school, which was crazy um, mm-hmm. to think about now. Uh, thank goodness that there's rules in place to push this whole process back for people. Mm-hmm. But um, I actually committed my December of my sophomore year of high school. So I was still playing for FC Portland, um, really happy with you know my experience there. But what had happened was is they had switched. Um, there was a universal switch of birth to birth year and I was in 99 so I got bumped up to a new team and then that team kind of had phased out gone to college so there was a ton of movement happening and then you know the Thorns Academy pops up and honestly what it boiled down to was that a lot of my teammates were uh transferring clubs because a lot of them were you know committed and there was I definitely like a financial benefit to to moving to the academy system at that point so honestly hate to say it, but I was a little bit of a follower because I was like, I just want to play with my friends for my senior year. Mm -hmm. And then I, you know, played for them in the academy system. So I, that's why I kind of say, you know, when I, when I grew up, I played primarily for FC Portland because that's really where I spent a lot of my development throughout my middle school and high school years. Although I did spend that last year with Thorns Academy and, you know, both programs were really good. I, I can't keep up with the ECNL, the academy, everything that's happening um, because there's so much movement, but but honestly, I had great experiences at both and it wasn't due to a poor experience that I changed clubs. It was just kind of the personnel that I wanted to play with really. Well, and I think that speaks volumes to like what you value in the sport. If you're trying to follow your friends, that that camaraderie piece and culture piece of a team really seems to matter, which does not surprise me that you ended up at Cal then because that's a big part of of what our program believes in, right? So tell us a little bit about your recruiting to get to Cal and what other schools you were looking at and all that. Yeah. So my, my recruiting was honestly, it was a really interesting process. You know, I hated having to market myself and have to cold call coaches. And I just was really lost in terms of where I saw myself playing. Um, I had a goal of playing in the Pac-12 because I knew that it was a really competitive league. Um, you know, I, I was talking to a few other Pac-12 schools, you know, obviously Oregon is pretty close. Um, I actually really wanted to go to, at the time, University of Washington, because that's where my dad had gone. It was pretty close to Oregon. Um, And the weekend of the, you know, visit that I ended up taking was, I was actually meant to go to a Princeton ID camp. And at the last minute, I had changed to go to a, I changed my travel plans to actually go to the um, 
summer week-long camp at Cal because Emma Treasure, who actually also ends up playing at Cal, um, my childhood best friend, she was like, come to this camp with me. We can go together. So we know each other. We're not going by ourselves. So I was like, you know what? That sounds like a good idea. Knew nothing about Cal, knew nothing about the program. Came down and I was like, wow, this place is amazing. It's sunny here. The campus is amazing. It's a big school. It's in, you know, it's in the Pac-12. It kind of checked all the boxes that I had. Um, and and then, you know, after after that camp, I I had done my high school season and then came back to another half day camp and took a official vi- or unofficial visit and committed. So really it was, it was kind of all my eggs were in one basket at that point, because once I stepped foot on the Cal campus, I kind of had my heart set on that's what I wanted to do. Um, but I, I honestly hadn't really been talking very seriously to other, other teams at this point. Granted, it was my freshman year of high school. So that probably would have changed a little, but, um, But yeah, um, what was really helpful for me was like creating a list of things that were kind of non-negotiables in my recruiting process in terms of, okay, I I want it to be a really competitive program, but I also want it to be a really good academic school so that, you know, God forbid anything ever happened. I was at a place where I knew I could get a really good education, Um, you know, somewhere that wasn't for me personally too far from home, but also kind of outside the Oregon circle a little bit. So it was perfect distance. Um, And then, you know, the weather obviously was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> even you can beat weather pretty much anywhere I know, but I don't know. Yeah. I'm in California right now and I feel like I live in Oregon with how much rain we're having. So yeah. So no, I mean it I honestly it worked out perfect, but I'm looking back and, and thinking, you know, like I made this decision as like a 15 year old and my 21 year old self is is thanking her, but it's hard to know what you're gonna want to do six years down the line. Totally. And that's why it's like, I'm glad they did put, you know, rules in place with recruiting since then. But at the same time, it's unique because we have 15 year old does of like yesterday, our third 15 year old in the NWSL. And yeah, I think that is um, going to keep happening. I don't think that's a trend that's just going to stop. I think that we're mimicking kind of have the men's uh, MLS side has done for years. And I think it's a lot for a 15 year old to make a decision about their, their future like that. And it, it sounds though, like you had parents that were so educated on this, having played yeah. professionally and going to school. I think that's huge because they were clearly telling you, don't just pick the program for the program, pick it, you know, great school for your education. And um, I think that's important that people have that. Not everybody gets that. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree. That's definitely something that's important. Well, so then you move from Oregon to California, which is a huge jump, and um, especially for weather. My husband went to University of Portland in the first 86 days of his uh, preseason and season rained, and he was like, what is going on? So, but but Cal has some weather. We get some fog. We have some, yeah. you know, rain, and, and it's cold in those mornings and stuff. But so you get to Cal and a Pac-12 program. You guys have an amazing uh team I feel like the girls that you've played with in the last five years have been like very high caliber players you have a great coaching staff so tell us a little bit about your experience at Cal yeah I mean you know the first year was definitely an adjustment period we had a really young squad um didn't I wouldn't say honestly really didn't go super well um but we you know over the course of the years we developed 
a lot. And like you said, I played with really high caliber players, but also really high caliber people. And it was just such a fun environment to really grow um, just alongside my best friends, honestly. Um, you know, I look back and this, my sophomore year, we made it to the tournament. We had a you know great season. We beat UCLA, USC. Um, you know, COVID, COVID did really affect us. And, you know, we had a lot of restrictions put on us as a team trying to keep us apart, really affecting our, you know, training pattern, which wasn't ideal, but this, you know, that was part of the reason why I decided to stay for my fifth, fifth year, which I am so happy I did because again, we kind of had a younger squad that was developing. Um, but we had a, we had a great year. It was really fun. We, you know, I think we achieved some, some really big milestones for our program and yeah, I mean, it was, and you know, I can't say really enough positive things about the coaching staff and the ability to kind of develop players. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like I grew a ton as a player from, you know, the moment I stepped on campus to my fifth year and, you know, I grew as a player, but I also grew as a leader and kind of like the space and the ability to, you know, make mistakes. Cause that's how you learn and be put in positions that, you know, as a young player, you're challenged, but looking back, like I'm the player I am today because I was able to make those mistakes and, you know, be put in those positions. So, um, but yeah, the, the coaching staff really, I mean, I had, I had a lot of different coaches in my time, whether that was like different volunteer assistants that had moved on to become head coaches or, you know, a few different assistant coaches, but I can really say that like really high caliber people, really high caliber coaches and, um, a lot of support too. I think you're uh, with a Pac-12 school like Cal or any large school like that. You have supports academically. You have um, an athletic department with supports. You have multiple teams that you're living near and around, where yeah. you're kind of engrossed in a um, a culture where everybody is similar to you in some kind of capacity because you're athletes. And I think that's really important. And not not all those smaller schools have that. Yeah. And I think that's a huge benefit for, for Cal too. Yeah. And they're just further building out. I mean, every year you see like a few staff members added, whether that's like support staff for the whole athletic community or each team, which is only going to like better improve the athlete experience. I mean, in my time, yeah. we saw, you know, mental performance coaches added to the staff and, you know, different, different people that helped and improved even from my five years. Well, you know, I have questions on that. That's what we do at female footballers. But yeah. my question would be, so you hit COVID and that was your, my guess is your junior and your senior year, right? And then you stayed for your fifth year? Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and just like you said, Berkeley and I live in San Jose, the Bay Area was on a lot different level of a lockdown than a lot of the rest of the country. My particular county, Santa Clara County, was the most conservative in the country. So I feel you on the restrictions that were put on you compared to other programs you were playing against um, made it really hard and difficult. And I know female footballers worked with your guys' program in the June 2020 um, on some mental skills. But after that, your coaches recognized the need for just mental supports. So what kind of support were you given during that time, after that time, so that you could, um, you know, get some help if, if need be? And not necessarily help mental health in that regard, but also just working on the the mental strength to get through all of that? Yeah, I mean, I guess I'll start in like two different phases. So the first phase was like one, I mean, to put into perspective, we met on the ranch on the, in the middle of our field 
you know, on this random day in March. And we weren't able to come back together as a team until the following January based off of the restrictions put on us. So the first phase of it was kind of, you know, every week it was pushed back. Like we're just seeing how this thing pans out. And there was this, you know, obviously the coaches are trying to keep everybody connected because all of a sudden everybody's lost their form of structure in their life. So, you know, we read a book together. I remember, um, and we were kind of doing a book club. Um, we were doing like some team workouts on zoom, but after that, you know, we, after that period, which was, was really hard, you know, people came back and everybody was kind of at a different point, whether they had, you know, some decided that they were, they were done playing soccer. Some decided that, you know, that they had worked out really regimentally. And, you know, after that, we worked with some mental performance coaches um, from the Cameron Institute that really helped kind of get us back into the routine of playing games and practicing. Cause because really we had, what was the problem was that we hadn't practiced as a team for so long. And then we were just kind of thrown into these games. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some players that were getting their first starts and, you know, like there were big shoes to fill in our roster. And so definitely the service, services provided by Cameron Institute, um, we, we benefited from, but man, those were some hard months. <laughs> that was really rough. And, you know, I don't think a lot of people have like, talked about it I think there's still a lot of PTSD and trauma from that time for a lot of athletes but talking to your teammate Angelina uh, recently who we had on the podcast she also reiterated just how hard it was to stay fit mentally engaged um you're you're and like you said your structure and as a soccer player your structure from a very young age was put forth for you right like we've never we never had to set our own schedules. And I work with players all the time who, you know, I ask them, you have a game this weekend. They're like, I don't know, like, like their app on their phone tracks everything. They just, everything is always set up for you. And as a collegiate athlete, even more so, especially at a school like Cal. So, and now being a pro athlete, you know, it's very similar at the highest level too, but it's, it's really weird when that all goes away. And even somebody like me, many, many years out from a program like that, having played it still felt like that too, even for yeah. adults where it was like, well, how, what structure do I follow? Um, you're just such a creature of habit. So I, I can only imagine, and I do think you're one of the lucky ones that you're at a school. And again, this is why you pick the school for the school too, because your school had the ability to support you guys in a way that a lot of D2, D3, smaller schools might not have had that opportunity. So that yeah. was really great. But then you come, you come out of it and you, I mean, what I think is really unique about your story is you're a three-time captain. Isn't that right? Mm -hmm. That's pretty unique. Like, tell me about that. That means you were captain junior, senior, and your fifth year. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I was kind of captain-ish the junior year. I would say definitely two years. Um, but I don't know, they kind of phase in captains, I would say, um, But yeah, I mean, I think that I, you know, I think during COVID is actually when I made a lot of personal growth as a player. Um, You know, I, I actually moved home for most of COVID because when we were down in the Bay Area, we would, you know, try to go to train on some public fields and be kicked off because we weren't allowed to be there. And so 
I actually was, was able to go back home. Um, I was able to kind of train. And then I actually reconnected with my high school track coach who had opened a gym and I actually started working out with him in the gym. And so that really helped me, um, just kind of gain my own structure. And because of that, I felt like I was able to kind of improve some areas. Like I've never been a player that's been super strong. So being able to like get in the gym with him, um, obviously like there was a bunch of restrictions in terms of masks and isolating and stuff. But I, I think that the preparation that I was able to kind of do, um, from being home during COVID actually made me really prepared for that junior season. And I think because I was able to take some strides, I moved up the field a little bit. I had played more of an outside back outside mid role for us. Um, I think I was able to kind of establish myself in a way that I was able to help lead the team a little bit. Like I, like I said, we had, we had a young team kind of spurring at that point. Um, and then definitely by my true senior year, I felt like I was, I had that kind of the tools and the experience to help lead. And, um, I obviously, I, I was a captain alongside Emily Smith, who was a great leader. Um, and I think obviously Angelina also was a captain. And I think we all had really different personalities and approaches to leading that balance each other. So that made it really, really easy to lead. And then this past season was cool because me and Angie all obviously were captains, but we also had phased in IO um, as a young leader. So kind of getting to be the young leader and then be able to pass that on was really cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think I learned so much about myself being a leader and really about, you know, my morals, my values, and like how to kind of drive a group of people. But I will say like the team made it really easy to lead, um, when you're leading a group of girls that are committed and are really, really just good people. Yeah, that's huge. But I also like your response in COVID says a lot about your leadership style and, and your overall drive. Like a lot of girls during that time, that was so mentally fatiguing and hard that a lot of players that were at your same level didn't continue on within the sport or they didn't take their fifth year. Right. And, and I think with you making that time be a, a, a response to be better, work on your own personal strengths, to take on some more leadership that says a lot about your character, which has gotten you to the level you're at now, which is pro soccer players. So, I mean, that's pretty awesome. And I think those girls are so lucky to have you as a, as a captain and, um, and, and the fact that you all get along and all of that, I mean, I've seen it and um, it's definitely in zoom, but I've seen it in person too. And I think that's very cool um, and unique because not all programs have that level of camaraderie. So also yeah. a testament to your coaches, but um. But so, you know, you go from, from this weird kind of college experience with COVID and you decide you want to play pro soccer. So this is really the last six months, you know, of this, of 2022. Take us through that. It's your fifth year. You have to make the decision to go pro. And then kind of how does that work? A lot of people don't understand how to enter a draft to make the decision whether you go NWSL, you go international, like all of that. So can you take us through a little bit of that? Yes, for sure. So I had, um, I'd always kind of wanted to explore, you know, going pro. I think part of it was that I couldn't put the end of soccer on a timeline as like, oh, you know, my senior year, I'm going to be done playing soccer. Like to me, that was like so icky. <laughs> so 
I always knew I wanted to, and I knew that that meant, first of all, having to be ready by January. Um, so I had planned, you know, before COVID that I was going to graduate a semester early because you have to be available really by um, that point because it makes it a lot easier. Um, so that was the first, first, I guess, step was to make sure I was on track with that. Um, I, you know, I really tried to not focus a lot on the draft process while in season because one, I mean, the NWSL teams especially are still in season themselves. So really thinking about it at that point is unnecessary. And also I wanted to focus 100% of my attention on our team. You know, we made the tournament, we had a great season. So I felt like that's where my attention needed to be. Right after the season, I, you know, with the help of Rachel Mercek, who is actually now one of the assistant coaches at Cal, she helped me make my highlight video, um, you know, which was hours of work of going through film, which I did a bit during the season, but I kind of wish I had done a bit more of, because that was really important in terms of sending out to coaches and teams. Um, but really, I, you know, like you said, I had to make a decision on if I wanted to play in the US or abroad. And I definitely, for me, decided that right now I want to play in the US um, just in terms of, you know, I've, I've, never, I've never actually been to Europe. So I think for me, like setting that as a goal was a little bit challenging. And I just wanted to, to explore the NWSL with how it, the league is growing here. Um, the application to apply to the draft comes out. You really have to put in your basic information. You have to put a link to the video of your, or the highlight video, which is why it's important to create that as soon as your season ends. Um, and then, you know, you can include a soccer resume, references. Um, and really from there, it's just conversations with teams and coaches. Um, you know, Neil was incredibly helpful throughout the, the draft process um, in terms of just helping get my film in front of coaches and scouts. Um, and then I had had a few conversations the week of the draft with teams kind of, you know, showing interest, but everybody just says like draft day is so crazy because mm -hmm. people can think they're drafting a certain lineup and then all of a sudden they're drafting completely different players. So um yeah I mean I I call it kind of like the best five minutes of my life because I get draft I got drafted and then right after I had gotten a text from the Canadian head coach and throughout the draft process I forgot to mention this you have to put in your nationality and I'm a dual citizen with uh, Canada and the U.S. I grew up going to U.S. camps but I have never, you know, explored my Canadian citizenship in that way. And they had called me and they said, Hey, we want to discuss playing for Canada. So I was like, okay, oh I just drafted and now Canada has seen me. So by it, far the best five minutes <laughs> of your life. That's amazing. Yeah. That so that so was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we kind of bypass some of that. You know, you're in your before you get to Cal, you're in youth national team camps. Mm -hmm. And was that through the academy or through FC Portland? Um, so I had went to, yeah, the U17 camp. I was playing for FC Portland at the time. Um, yeah. And then I went to the U23 camp, the preseason tournament hosted by the Thorns, um, March of my, uh, fifth, or March of my senior year. So yeah. So a year ago. Okay. Yeah. So you dabbled with the youth teams, but, and so all I knew about you was that you were a U.S. citizen. And then when that came out in the media, I was like, wait a minute, wait, what? <laughs> so 
we entered that a little bit in your intro. And so to explain your dual, dual citizenship, you can play for the youth national teams. Canada doesn't have youth national teams. Is that correct? So Canada does have youth national teams. They don't have a U23 team. So at, you know, I, I had kind of surpassed obviously the U20 age group. So moving forward, I would have had to be called into the full national team. But so you have to make that choice. Like if you were to be called by both US and Canadian full teams, you would have a choice which one you wanted to play with. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And can't once you once you commit and you play for Canada, you can't play for US. So you had to make that decision. So I actually, I mean, technically right now I could still play for either because I haven't played in a game with a full national team. Okay. So once I play in a game, um, I would then be, I would have my alliance with that nation. That's so hard. That's a hard decision to make, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, it is, I, I, you know, I, I love my experience with like these national team camps for the U S but I also, you know, I just got called into the She Believes Cup. So that, and that was such a cool experience to be a part of like the full national team. And obviously Canada is striking against their federation right now. So to see kind of all the work that's being put into that in the future generations of Canada soccer. Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I grew up watching both teams. So it's like crazy to me that I like, am one, you know, in the pool with one of them. Um, but I just think, you know, like if the opportunity presented itself where I, you know, kept getting called in with Canada and was able to be a part of that team, then I would love that, you know, obviously equally with the U.S. But right now I just it's looking like Canada is more interested. Um, so that's where I've been going with. And that is you know, so awesome. Just one to have the, the choice and option that's so unique for people. And two, like just that that all happened in five minutes so you get yeah. drafted and and you kind of bypass this we mentioned it in the intro you were the eighth overall draft pick like that's huge and you didn't go to the draft did you I didn't I'm not I'm not gonna lie I was being a little bit of a pessimist in the draft process I was really unsure what was going to happen and I was a little bit nervous but I was really happy to hear my name called yeah but. that is so awesome that's an early draft pick and that's so cool so you get drafted to the North Carolina Courage. How'd you feel about that? Because there's so many teams and there's so many places to live and being from Oregon, like, how did you feel? I mean, I I had mixed feelings. I mean, I was really excited. I really enjoyed my conversations with the coaching staff prior to the draft. So I knew I was going to a club that, you know, had really good people in charge. Um, obviously, I was probably as far as you could have been from California and Portland, which was definitely an adjustment period but now that I'm here I really like North Carolina and I've been settling in really nicely so um, I think it's a really good fit the the team has been just really really welcoming and nice um, so yeah I mean I was so excited I I could hardly contain myself <laughs> yeah that is so awesome so you're drafted you kind of you know this is like dream come true yeah you go to North Carolina you've been in training camp so first game start this weekend so take us through like the last two months or so of moving there and just the overall levels you know I think as most people listening know the step from high school to college is huge college to pros is a whole nother step up right and even it's unique and different from the national team experiences I would assume yeah yeah 
Um, okay, so I guess end of January, I fly out here. Um, I'm here for, I, I don't know, maybe two weeks. We had done a, like an orientation week um, before we really started training and everything. And then at the last minute, I got called into the uh, She Believes pre-camp with Canada and then was asked to stay on as a practice player. So I ended up being gone for almost two weeks with Canada and missed that part of our preseason. Um, and then I came back for probably three days, I think. And then we, as a team, went down to Mexico City. We were in Mexico City and then actually Monterey. We played three games against some of the teams down there and then came back here um, and then have been doing preseason ever since. And like you said, our first games on Saturday. So that's a say, <laughs> yeah, no, it's been a ton of traveling. Um, but I would say in terms of the level, yeah, I mean, it's, everything is just elevated kind of like it was from the high school level into college. You know, obviously the game is a lot quicker. Um, I've been playing a little bit of outside back. So been trying to learn that position as well as center back. Um, but yeah, I would say mostly it's just a lot quicker. Obviously there's a really minute attention to detail that's required to play in this league. Um, you know, there's, I think you're just, you're just pushed that much more at this level, whether that's every rep, whether that's lifting, running, you know, and it's, it's really awesome, honestly, to be in an environment that challenges you every day. And that, you know, I feel like there's just so much to learn, even in my couple months of being here. Totally. And I think it's also unique too, to go from being like a two-year captain and like the head of a program in a way to being a rookie, it feels probably how high school to college felt a little bit, but the unique aspect of playing pro soccer is that the age gaps are not just three years, you know, differences. You're playing with girls and, and veteran people who've been around this game for a long time, right? And you also yeah. have international players from different um, countries, right? Isn't uh, You have an Irish player on your team. What's her name? Denise? Yeah, Denise O'Sullivan. Yeah, I mean, you've got players from all over the world that you're playing with, which is also, I know you have that at Cal too, Cal being a school that kind of attracts some people from all over the world too, which is maybe more unique in the college setting. But tell us a little bit about your teammates and kind of your day-to-day, because -day, I think a lot of people don't understand like the life of a pro soccer player. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, okay, I'll start with the teammates. Um, you know, we've got like you said, we have a really international squad. We've got someone from, we got a Brazilian player, Japanese player, Irish. We've got some Danish players, my roommates from England. So it's just like really a lot of different people on our team. Um, but yeah, I would say that I was, I was like, you know, obviously a new player walking in. I don't, I'm so far from home. I don't know anyone. I could not really say enough nice things about my teammates in terms of how welcoming they've been and I also think like our Mexico trip really bonded us together as a team so um yeah I'm really fortunate to play alongside the girls I do um and then sorry what was the other question it was oh the day-to-day -day. yeah day -to -day. So, um right now we have practice like late mornings so basically I'll wake up um have some breakfast at the apartment a lot of the girls live in the same housing apartment, which is provided by the team. Um, we'll go to the training facility, uh, you know, get there probably 45 minutes before training and do some 
stretching, rolling out, just kind of getting ready. Um, we sometimes have film before training to map out some things that we're going to do. We train, um, and then a few days a week we lift after training. Um, and then really, you know, we have lunch at the facility, come back and, you know, honestly recover and rest because that's a really important part of like our day to day because training is, you know, really strenuous. Um, and then, you know, I can't really speak on game day, what game day is going to look like. Cause I haven't been through one yet. Oh yeah. But, um, but yeah. What, is, what, um, when you are, um, kind of in, in like the whole situation, I feel like it can feel, um, sometimes like not monotonous, but it feels like you have a little, a little bit of time in your day. Right. So mm -hmm. do you get a chance to go and see where you live now like do you get a chance to get to know a little bit of your surroundings or hang out with some of the teammates in a social setting or is it so businessy because this is such a job now that it feels like you can't do like a lot of that um yeah I mean I would say like because a lot of us live here you know we're able to kind of like hang out a lot at the apartments which is really nice um you know also because we have a lot of international players you know, we, we actually just got some more cars involved, but, you know, a lot of us needed to like ride places together and stuff. So we would go to the grocery stores together, go out to dinner and, you know, in that way, definitely. Um, I am just now starting to explore Raleigh a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, we definitely have some time to like hang out and stuff as, as a team. And, but honestly, like a lot of our time is, is spent like either making dinner or resting <laughs> that's really important though I think players need to hear that because one of the things I think we you know we work with a lot of teenage players and their schedules are so rigorous as you know having lived it um I would almost wonder if a collegiate not even a collegiate a youth soccer player plays more frequently than a pro soccer player like hour wise you're at the training facility maybe four hours a day right three, four hours a day and that you're not training that whole time, but you may be there. Yeah. Yeah. I think I definitely think, uh, well, I'm trying to think how many days a week I trained with, cause you train probably four days a week for club soccer, right? Yeah. And um, then you have multiple games on the weekend. So you're really like barely getting a day off a week and collegially, like there's restrictions on that, right? You can only play a certain amount of hours a week. Um, for NCAAs and so at the pro level you know it is a lot of recovery time it is a lot of recovery time for sure recovery you know I don't I definitely did not take my recovery as seriously as I should have in college based off all the recovery I'm doing now um, but I do think that the practices while they may not be like well whether that's equal or you know less than to club I think it's just way more strenuous in terms of like each drill is so much more fast-paced um so you're you're getting a lot of work done and a lot of like mileage in you know your training there's really no time to waste mm -hmm. um, and definitely felt that way in college as well um you know our sometimes our practices would be short and sharp but they would be really efficient yeah which I think is like, you know, you talk about, we get asked a lot from girls when we do sessions about what it's like to be a pro soccer player, what you need to have and not have. And something we say, and we'd love to hear your thoughts on this is 
you know, everybody at the top level is technically strong. Everybody is tactically sound. Everybody is physically fit and takes every aspect of their, you know, health into account, whether it's sleep, nutrition, injury prevention, all of that very seriously. But the one, the reason we focus on the mental side of the game is that is the one factor that is sort of a game changing element. Mm-hmm. And just out of curiosity, do you see that when you talk about the mental side of the game at your level now, how does that, what does that look like for you? Um, do you practice mental skills? Is it just something you've always known how to do? Was that something maybe growing up with two parents that probably taught a lot of that within not even realizing they were teaching you that? Like curious about your, your journey with that. Yeah, I would definitely say the latter, you know, like I think reinforcing like positive mindsets towards sports and just, you know, putting everything into perspective. I, I don't think I ever really looked at it as my parents were kind of teaching me mental skills, but now that I've been through it and looking back, I'm like, okay, yeah, that you guys definitely enforce this, you know, in me. And then a lot of the skills that I learned, you know, with, with some of the uh, staff provided by Cameron Institute as well helped. Um, and then honestly, some books that I've read, uh, you know, throughout the time I've played sports, but I think that it is really important when you think about how perspective matters so much in everything, you know, like whether you're playing, whether you're a pra- like, you know, in practice, you know, the ability to kind of like I, what I've really tried to adapt recently is just not holding on to mistakes because I've always been a player that's like so hard on myself and I'm like, oh gosh, why didn't I just do this? And I just really have to just take a deep breath and every rep, it's a clean, clean slate. Um, so I think that, you know, I, I think my parents definitely reinforced a lot of the way that I've tried to mentally speak to myself you know whether and obviously they've tried to enforce like positive mindset and positive talk which is something I've definitely struggled with as a young athlete um but yeah I mean I I know that that the club has been or I think I mean I I haven't yet worked with a mental performance coach um but I think that that is service provided I'm honestly not sure um, yeah, that Angelina kind of said that too. I think that if you needed something, you'd have it, right? And to be sold, provide stuff like that, just like collegiately, the Cameron Institute provided that. But again, this is why picking a school when you're getting recruited matters so much because those supports are in place at a lot of places, but they're not in a lot of other places. But you yeah. spoke on two areas that we get asked the most at when we do sessions with players, which one would be response to mistakes and failures and adversity. And the other being positive self-talk. Those are probably the two biggest focuses we work on with girls. And is that something you feel like you learned on your own or it was deliberately and consistently practiced or talked about? Um, And how much of it is a part of your game every day or is it something you have to revisit? Like, you know, you mentioned you have to really focus on letting mistakes go. So that sounds more of like an everyday type of practice. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the mistakes part is like, you know, mistakes are going to happen. And, you know, my coaches have been like, you know, we don't really care about mistakes. Like we want you to just flush them away and keep trying, you know, good ideas and stuff. But it's always been internal where I'm like, 
you know, I said, like, it just stuck with me. Um, so I think, yeah, I mean, that's definitely a day-to-day thing. Like you make a bad pass, you've got to just flip the switch in your head that next play, right? Like you can redeem yourself on the next play. I would say the positive self-talk is something that my parents definitely noticed in me. And because they were kind of able to like bring it up with me and talk about it, I was like, okay, I do, I do have really bad, you know, inner dialogue with myself. And then honestly, my college coach, Neil, he, he honestly noticed it in me as well. And being in an environment where you're around people that know that about you, like he was able to be like, okay, believe in yourself like he was kind of able to like inflate some of that confidence in me um along with some of our other coaches that helped me really honestly because they knew that I was beating myself up internally about certain plays or mistakes and and that's helpful too because when you're able to talk about you know your weaknesses or what you're struggling with whether that's on the field or mentally then you're able to really have others around you that help you or Absolutely. That safe environment is important. And I think that's what the hardest part when you take a gamble on picking a school or even a situation like you don't get to choose in your case where you play in the NWSL. And it's not easy with trades and all kind of stuff. My husband played in MLS and I know a little bit about that world. And it's sort of it's not easy. You're put somewhere. You don't get to choose your friends. It's like, you know, you're lucky that it's an instant group to connect with and find your people and all that, but you really don't have a lot of autonomy over your situation, which can be really hard. So finding um, the inner dialogue becomes even more important because you're more isolated at times when you're not with your people. And I would say the college programs are like that. Even joining a new club team for our youth players who might be listening, it feels that way. So this is why these this skill set is so important because it is within the game of soccer, but it's also once you're done playing someday, this will also be whatever you jump into next will also be a part of it. It, You know, you're going to feel isolated at first when you start something new, whatever it might be. So I think I also think this goes back to like taking every part of the game really seriously, because I remember as a young player, like they would try to bring in, you know, like sports psychologists and talk to us about things. And I'd be like, oh, we have to listen to another presentation, but really like taking these skills seriously, because they do help you when you're in the middle of a game and you just made a huge mistake and you really got to get together because you've got 60 more minutes left to redeem yourself, you know, like, Mm -hmm. so I think, I don't know. I just, I feel like some of those skill sets, at least for me, were provided at the youth level. And that's something to really take seriously if you're a young player. Well, it's great that you have those, you know, that you had something at your back and call, but I love that you just said that because we do get the eye rolls. Sometimes we work with the older teenage players and they're like, I don't get it, but it, it, it ends up hitting you just like, you know, we pull Mallory Pure Swanson's uh, story a lot because it's sort of like it, it hits you at some point as you get older, mm-hmm. the pressure hits you, you get, you hit adversity and you have to figure it out. And it's like, if you were listening, paying attention, taking it seriously, you'll have some of the tools ready, but yeah, it is unique and it's hard, but um, so last question on this, which I, I kind of mentioned it in the preview before we recorded, which was, you know, you're going into your very first pro season. This is so exciting. First game this weekend. What goals as a rookie do you have for yourself going in? And um, do you, or do you even set goals? And, you know, what are they? So I do set goals. I think goals are like really important to set because they like 
give you a benchmark and can track progress and give you something to work towards. Um, but I don't, I mean, I don't want to set too many goals for myself again, like in the past I've done that. And it's been kind of a form of being hard on myself. Um, but my goal this season, honestly, is to just make an impact in any way I can. Um, you know, like coming into a professional environment, I, I just honestly am trying to show up every day and like make an impact in a positive way, whether that's being a good teammate, um, you know, doing my part in a drill or, you know, hopefully at some point in the season, like providing some playing time and helping my team win. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's really hard to say right now, like, because we haven't had a game to map out what the season's really going to look like for us. But um, yeah, I guess my goal is, is to make an impact and to like continue to grow every day with, within the environment that I'm in. Well, and I love that that's just, it's a smaller like goal. I think what we often have kids, you know, shooting for these really lofty long-term goals. And I think these short, smaller goals are one more achievable, two more measurable and, and three just more realistic. And so I love that goal. I think that you're easily going to hit that. Who do you play this weekend? We play Kansas City. Okay. Are you like at home or away? At home. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's exciting. So you yeah. really get a sense for what your whole, the whole vibe is there. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. I'm so excited for you. I can't tell you, like just kind of getting to know you over the last few years and watching the trajectory of your career has been so cool. And I feel like, I don't know if you feel like this, but for me, I feel like it's just starting, which is so cool. Like this is a start of something really special and you have so many years ahead of you. And I'm just so, I'm just so excited for you. So yeah. Thank you Good so. luck. I can't thank you enough for being on and um and talking to us. And hopefully you'll come back on maybe at the end of the yeah. season. I told Angelina the same thing. Maybe we get you both on together as former teammates and kind of go through what was your first season like. Yeah. Um, and although we'll miss you at the Cal alumni event, um, we'll be thinking about you guys. <laughs> thank you. Yes. No, go bears forever. Yes, go bears forever. <laughs> but thanks so much for being on. Of and um, hopefully we'll chat soon. Good luck. Thank you, Cassie. All right.